We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome, Bears fans, to Picks for Polls, the Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We record this episode on April 12th here on a Wednesday, and Yusei, we are about two weeks away from the start of the 2023 NFL Draft. It's really, uh, we're really coming down to the wire here. It's getting close, um, but it also feels like it's a long ways away still at the same time. You know, it's really, it's really been going slow here with not a lot of news going on, not a lot to talk about, and just a lot of just going back and forth with, at least for me personally, like I've been changing up my mock drafts like every other day, it seems like like it, because there's just, I'm just in that mode right now where it's just every single day, I just want to do a mock draft and see what happens. But um, how are you doing today? Before we get to start with this podcast, how do you, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing well and you're right. It's like, it's slow, but it's not really slow. I guess we really haven't had much Bears news outside of Chicago signing punter Ryan Anderson to a one-year deal, which happened, I believe, on Monday. And then we're sitting here recording this on April 12th. You know, by the time this is out, it's going to be less than two weeks away until the 2023 NFL draft, or just about two weeks, I feel like. And in other words, some Bears-related news, the changing of the guard that people have been waiting years for it happens finally going to happen because Friday, April 14th is actually Ted Phillips last day as president with the organization. Now we know he's going to stick around some sort of like consultant type role, but it's going to be Kevin Warren's first official day on the job. So a little bit of breath of fresh air, I feel like, but you're right. I mean, in terms of the mock drafts, I've been playing with scenarios like crazy and, you know, I've got an interesting trade proposal in the second round that I feel like some Bears fans would hate. I'll get into it when we do our draft preview in a couple weeks here in our like final draft preview. But I will say that it's going to be one that a lot of Bears fans are like, absolutely not. But it does net the Bears, I believe, to a third second round pick and then a, another third round pick as well, which basically gives you six picks or seven picks in the first three rounds. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up for the draft with, you know, our last mock draft coming up next week and then um, doing our, like you said, our draft preview where we're going to be going over a variety of different scenarios and things to talk about, just general storylines. Um, today, we're going to be focusing on finishing up our draft prospect or draft positional preview um, for this upcoming 2023 NFL draft. We covered every single position group except defensive backs, so we're going to be focusing on that today. Um, I do want to mention one more thing. You said you did mention some, like, not a lot of news for the Bears. They did make one other signing, um, you know, after the last time we recorded, uh, which was middle of last week. Um, the Bears signing Rasheem Green to a one-year deal um, from the play for the Houston, Houston Texans last year, um, defensive end. You know, versatile guy who can play all along the uh, defensive line, uh, bringing him in here on a one-year, it's like a $2.5 million deal or something like that. So not a lot of investment here, but another body for the defensive line. So before we cover the defensive backs in this upcoming draft, you said, what are your thoughts on this signing? Do you think this kind of changes anything in the grand scheme of things? No, it doesn't change anything at all. And and here's why. Because – Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, and Ian Cunningham, their background is basically the trenches are the foundation of your football team. And I'm not going to repeat what I've said multiple times about them being football minds who just love to have homegrown players and homegrown talent because I've hammered that point home on this podcast several times now to the point where the listeners are probably tired of it. But the reality of it is this. It's like if you're the Bears, there's – not really any long-term defensive linemen on your roster right now that you could build around. Like, okay, yeah, you signed Rasheem Green. Yes, you have Demarcus Walker, a couple underrated, low-risk, high-reward type guys. But there's no, there's, there's still nothing that should get anyone excited about this defensive line group. And and here's why: because. Going into the offseason, when the Bears had the $100 million in cap space, a lot of it was Javon Hargrave or how about a guy like Draymond Jones? Well, both of those guys signed elsewhere. And both of those guys were never really targets for the Bears in a realistic sense. You also have to kind of go ahead and wonder how much of the Larry Ogunjobi fiasco that went down last year played into the Bears' hesitation to sign a defensive lineman, which, again, if you were listening to this podcast last year, Andrew and I had our thoughts about Larry Ogunjobi, too, in the sense that the guy was pretty much average and then had one good year in Cincinnati and handsomely earned a fat contract that was then taken away from him. But I think the point is it's just like these signings do absolutely nothing to excite anyone about, nor should they, to excite anyone about the defensive line group overall. Because if you're this team right now, you're so star for talent on defensive line. Like there's a reason that bears fans on social media are willing to overlook the legal issues that a guy like Jalen Carter has just because without any of the issues on the field, like it's an incredibly talented defensive line class. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts on the green signing are kind of similar to, the, to yours. Like, it doesn't make too much of an impact, but I will say this, Green's a solid, you know, player. He's a guy who's gotten better every single year of his career, kind of like that tweener guy who it took him a few years in the NFL to kind of figure out, like, what his role was in the NFL. Like, is he a defensive end? Is he a defensive tackle? You know, is he a little bit of both? And I think, you know, he's found a nice balance of that over the past couple of years where he's he's been pretty productive. So, 
I'm fine bringing him in on a one-year deal. Like he adds depth. Um, he adds, you know, he, he had some talent to a room that was like horrific last year. So they're at least getting closer to somewhat being a passable defensive line at the NFL level, but they still need to add, like you said, a ton of talent there. Um, if they're going to be an even average unit next season, because that defensive line, like they've invested so much money at, at linebacker this offseason with Edmonds, TJ Edwards, you know, you're not going to get the return on investment on those guys though. If you don't have defensive linemen that can take on blocks and, and make an impact for them to make their job easier. So you certainly hope that, you know, that can be the case and that they ask some guys, but you know, we're not here to talk about defensive linemen in this draft class today. We're here to talk about some of the defensive back talent to kind of round out our position previews for this upcoming draft. And let's get started with the cornerbacks here. You said, because I think there's a, like, once again, we talked about, I think in our last episode with running backs and tight ends, there's kind of a dichotomy between um, cornerback class this year is absolutely loaded. Like I absolutely love this cornerback class this year. I had a really hard time um, putting together a list of like top five guys, sleepers. Like, and it was hard for me to find too many overhyped players for this draft class because it, there's a lot of talent that I really, really like. Um, and you just oppose that with the safety class where, it's not a very talented group. You know, there's, it, it's very barren in terms of guys that I'm like ready, willing to, you know, go to bat for, so to speak. So um, definitely gonna have a, lot, a long conversation with this cornerback class. So let's just get started with them. And, you know, before we get started with our top five, you say like any thoughts on this cornerback class as a whole, because I know it's going to certainly have some opinions from a lot of people because there are just so many names out there that kind of get you excited. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, it's an incredibly strong class. I think you look at the top names and the top three, I think, have been consistent where you've got Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr. in no particular order. Those guys kind of go one, two, three on people's rankings, just depending on how people grade, how people decide to go ahead and scout. So it's a really nice class in that sense. And I think that there's a couple hidden gems in this class too that we necessarily aren't talking about. I think that, you know, there's a handful of cornerbacks too in round two that we've seen a lot of mock drafts that could be pushed down the board. And that's not because they're not talented. It's just because of other positions that have a ton more value in round two, like offensive line. But overall, it's just another class where I think what's happening is this, right? Is that cornerbacks, we're seeing the positions get stronger and stronger every single year in terms of talent and just depth across the board. So what I think we're going to see in future years is kind of a much bigger run on cornerbacks, right? Because like last year, if you get last year's class, I mean, there's probably five or six guys that I would say should have gone round one, but there was that kind of big AJ Brown trade that the Titans and Eagles had. And then there was the Packers kind of shaking things up because you had a handful of Georgia defenders, both two of which went to the Packers in the first round. And then you just had movement with, you know, the Steelers taking Kenny Pickett at quarterback that really pushed some of these cornerbacks down the board. But this is, just as good i would say if not better than last year's class so it's one of those where it's just like if you're looking for your next lockdown guy to rebuild your secondary or just round out your secondary like this is a class where you find it yeah absolutely i mean it's a strong group like it has high end talent at the top of the draft um, it has a lot of depth too, and I think you know I'm gonna have to, get, have to go back and look at my rankings and how I had these guys graded last year to kind of compare them. 
Um, but like you said, it's just as good, if not better. In fact, I'd say like in terms of depth, it's probably better than last year's draft class at cornerback. And I like that cornerback class as well. So, I mean, let's get started here with our top five. You said you kind of mentioned three names for you. Um, why don't you tell me the other two in your top five to kind of round that group out? Yeah, I mean, so you look at my top five, right? And I've got Devin Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr., and Christian Gonzalez from Illinois, Penn State, and Oregon, respectively. And then I've got Keely Ringo from Georgia, as well as Cam Smith from South Carolina as my top five guys. And again, you know, what? one of the things I really love about this class in general is they – there's so much potential here because I remember Keely Ringo back in August, for example, being mentioned as the cornerback one in this class. Now, again, he grades out differently for a lot of people, but the overall point just sticks in terms of the potential that's there is just so rare to see. And, you know, if you look at Devin Witherspoon, I mean, I love aggressive physical defensive backs. And I think that that's what Devin Witherspoon brings. I mean, his ball production was just off the charts during his time at Illinois. And then, you know, when you look at him, right, he's just a really solid tackler overall. So he's really a player that I think has a solid, well-rounded skill set. It's going to be really good in man coverage. And then just the ball skills that he possesses are top-notch. And what you love about him is just how he kind of sets the tone in terms of being the face of a secondary. So Devin Witherspoon's a guy that, you know, yeah, he went to – compared to some of these other cornerbacks, like a smaller program, because Illinois, let's just face it, is not as extravagant as a team like a Penn State or Oregon, for example. But the point is, I think Witherspoon really made a name for himself this year, and you could probably argue he was Illinois' best defender um, throughout the entire season. Then number two, you know, if you know Joey Porter, you probably know Joey Porter Jr., who, again, son of the former Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker. And when I look at Joey Porter Jr., like, he's a really tall, well-rounded cornerback, has really good arms, um, solid length as well. And then you look at him, and what I like about him is there's a size component to him that's complemented with his physicality, right? And then you complement that with just his ball skills, his ability to break up passes and contest, and then just his solid and fluid hips where it's just he's able to really change direction, change motion with ease, not necessarily have to go ahead and, um, you know, stick his feet in the ground too much. So Joey Porter Jr., I think you look at, and he would – if I had to be a betting individual, I would say probably has one of the highest ceilings of any of the prospects in this class. And then third, you know, Christian Gonzalez is a name that's become popular with a lot of Bears fans. And, you know, Christian Gonzalez, again, I have a scouting report on him at the Bear Report website. He's a guy that, again, has consistently been mocked in the first round. You look at him, I think, as an athlete, the athleticism is just off the charts, right? He can play both inside and outside. And then he understands, you know, what wide receivers are going to do in terms of running their routes. Now, my biggest concern with a guy like Christian Gonzalez is that he's got all the experience in the world, but in terms of how he plays, right, his play strength, is that something that can he add, you know, a couple more pounds of muscle to his frame so that, you know, the next level and everything's getting faster and everything's moving faster, he's not necessarily being dragged around. Now, I will say he had, I think, four interceptions this past season for Oregon, so ball production is not really 
Christian Gonzalez's strong suit, but he's still incredibly versatile and well-rounded. And then at four, I've got Keely Ringo, you know, about six foot three here. So I, Keely Ringo, I think his athleticism and speed is just off the charts, right? Like he understands a lot of route concepts, and that just comes from playing in a incredibly versatile as well as just well-rounded defense at Georgia, you know, so Keely Ringo in terms of his coverage, right, is just really solid. I think he fits better in zone coverage than he would man coverage. I think he's a smart and well-rounded player too. Now, the big thing is this, though, is as a corner, you have to be able to kind of change direction. And there's times where you can clearly see, like, Ringo struggles with that just a bit to the point where you're like, okay, you know, is he someone who excelled at the college level but is going to struggle at the NFL level? Is he also someone that, you know, played outside in college and could essentially see a move inside to the slot? Which, again, if that's the case, then, you know, teams i understand why they would have him graded out differently number five is cam smith from south carolina now cam smith right i think really burst onto the scene this year because you're seeing a guy that is not only confident he's also incredibly competitive and physical and then just the athlete that he is like you can tell he's a multi-sport athlete right because his hips are really fluid he's able to change direction easily really good footwork as well as just the instincts as well that he possesses to play cornerback at a high level. Now I will say that with Cam Smith, one of the major concerns is just the over-aggressiveness, especially when it comes to tackling. I think when you look at that, right, you do say, okay, there's a lot of refinement that needs to take place there in terms of his tackling technique for him to go ahead and, you know, really realize his full potential. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, for me, I think we have pretty similar um, pretty similar idea for our top three. So uh, my number one corner in this class like you is Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. Um, he was the best defensive back on a team that had a lot of really talented defensive backs this past year. Um, there are three guys that we're going to be talking about from Illinois in this draft class that I'm going to be talking about at least. Um, and Witherspoon was the top one of those guys. He was the best cornerback in college football last year. Um, just absolutely locked down. Um, and they put him in a lot of man cover situations at Illinois, and he stepped up to the challenge. Like, 
allowed only 35% completion rate uh, this past year, 18 forced incompletions. Um, so this is somebody who just got, was very active, got his hands on a lot of footballs, broke up a lot of passes, allowed a 25.3 passer rating last year. So, I mean, if you were a quarterback, you were better off just spiking the ball into the turf rather than throwing the ball to Devin Witherspoon in, in his direction last season. That's how good he was um, at the collegiate level. Now, will that transfer to the NFL right away? I don't know. Like cornerback is a tough position to play, the tougher ones to transition from college to the NFL. Um, but, you know, there's a lot to like about Witherspoon. He's very fluid. He's got good athleticism. You know, I, I, if there's one thing that's going to maybe drag him down for some teams is that he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's 5'11", 181, like certainly not like too undersized or anything, but they're against bigger wide receivers. I think he is going to have, I wouldn't say struggle, but he's not going to have quite as much of an advantage, or he's going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage against bigger wide receivers in the NFL because he just doesn't have quite the size profile that you'd like to ideally see from him. But otherwise, like he plays extremely tough. He's got good man coverage technique like there are a lot of reps on tape you watch him and he's running the route practically for the receiver like he is a very special talent in man coverage so i think you put him on a team that wants to run a lot of man have him do a lot of bump and run even off coverage and he's going to be spectacular in those types of systems he's pretty good in zone too and what i really like about with the spoon is that he is a tough sob he's willing to you know shed blocks he's going to get physical and he's a dude that wants to get up and tackle you um, so he can contribute in the run game. He's not somebody you can run screens to his side of the field because he's going to sniff them out. And he's going to be physical. Um, he's going to shed blocks. He's going to tackle. So he's someone that he's an all-around corner for me. And yeah, does he have the best size in the world? No, but I think you know you watch his tape. And he just he just plays like a dog, man. Like he's got he's got that dog in him, so to speak. Like if there's any cornerback in this class where you can say definitively that guy's got that dog in him, it's Devin Witherspoon. Like he's he's. He is a very fun player to watch, and it's, it's wild to see his rise because early in the year he was considered like a late day two, early day three guy. By the end of the year, like he was by far considered by many to be one of the best cornerbacks in this class. And right now, I, for me, he's number one. I think for a lot of people, he's number one. Uh, but number two for me is Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, and he's kind of like – I wouldn't say he's the opposite of Witherspoon because he's got really good production as well, but – He's kind of like the full package of what you're looking for in a prototypical corner at the next level. He's got good size at six foot one, about 200 pounds, um, exceptional speed, ran a 4.3840, um, but also like really loose hips, very good agility, good change of direction skills. Like for a guy who's as tall and as big as him, um, he he's, has great ability to flip his hips and, and just moves. He moves exceptionally fluid um, for a guy at his size. So, Tape wasn't quite as good as, you know, Devin Witherspoon this past year, but you could argue that he's got a higher ceiling than Devin Witherspoon because he had all the physical tools um, to go along with that. And that's why I think when it's all said and done, it wouldn't surprise me if we see Gonzalez be the first quarterback drafted um, because certainly, you know, a lot of teams, they, they want guys that aren't quite finished product that has a little bit of that upside to him. And Gonzalez, he's two years younger than Devin Witherspoon right now. He's 20 years old, going to be 21 going into um, this upcoming season. So he's, you know, it can be, you know, said that his his best football is ahead of him moving forward. Whereas, you know, whether Witherspoon, it took him a few years to kind of develop in college and reach the ceiling. We haven't, you know, theoretically, we haven't seen Gonzalez's ceiling yet. So it could be very possible he's the number one guy for a lot of teams, um, 
for these NFL teams on their big boards. But my number three is Joey Porter Jr. as well, the son of Joey Porter who played for the Steelers for a long time. I think he played for the Dolphins for, for some years as well, late in his career. But we all know about Joey Porter, really good linebacker for those Steelers defenses in the mid-2000s. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. comes in here, and um, he kind of brings the same physicality that his dad did um, at linebacker, he brings that physicality to the cornerback position. He's probably the best press man corner in this draft class. So if you're a team looking for a big physical dude on the outside, like Joey Porter is that guy, he's not the most versatile where I don't think he's someone you want trailing a wide receiver all over the field, like playing him in the slot and playing a ton of off coverage. Like his best trait is his ability to use his length. He's got exceptional length, um, use his size, to get into these guys at the line of scrimmage, you know, make it tough for them to get off press and then just use that that wingspan of his to just be a force and, and break up passes. That's the best use of him at the next level. And if you keep him in that role, he's going to be a fantastic, almost shutdown level player, I think, at the next level. He has that type of upside in the NFL. Then my number four guy um, is somebody who's getting a lot of hype in recent months that I've noticed, but um, that is Deontay Banks out of Maryland. And Deontay Banks just had an absurd, you know, um, workout at the uh, NFL scouting combine. I'm going to look up his RAS right here because it was absolutely ridiculous um, what this guy did from a testing standpoint. But um, yeah, I think this is the unofficial, but he had nearly a perfect RAS score, uh, which is relative athletic score. Um, If you want to, if you want to fact check me on that, but um, dude just tested ridiculous at the combine around a four, three, six, 40, 42 inch vertical, 11 foot, uh, broad jump, um, just ex- insanely explosive, insanely fast, and pretty good size too at six feet, 197 pounds. So this guy has solid size, <clears throat> decent length for the position, um, and just an absurd athlete. And he plays, you know, really physical as well. He's not just a you know guy who looks good in you know t-shirt and shorts at the combine. Um, he's got good tape as well. He plays physical at the line of scrimmage. He can play press. He can play off coverage. He, I think he's still, you know, learning the position a little bit. He's not quite um, at the same level uh, as a Devon Witherspoon or um, a Christian Gonzalez or Joey Porter in terms of polish, but um, he's got a lot of potential. Like there are, are, are plays on tape where he just absolutely deletes wide receivers. Um, at the line of scrimmage and press coverage, like does not let them get off the line of scrimmage. In fact, he even pushes them back a few yards. He just plays incredibly physical for a guy at his size. So he's somebody that you like that feistiness at the cornerback position because, again, you have to factor it in. All these guys are going to get beat in the NFL. It's, you want the guys on your team, uh, though, that aren't going to back down from a challenge and that even if they do get beat, they're going to consistently play hard, um, snap to snap, and just have very a very short memory. And Banks, I think, has that where yeah he's going to get beat a couple times but he's going to make up for it um, by making plays and playing physical and playing hard in coverage as well a little bit of an older prospect at 23 years old so you have to contend with that maybe he doesn't have you know quite you know he's probably a little bit more developed than a lot of these other guys so maybe the upside maybe isn't as there um but the athletic tools are great the mentality is great and i think he's a guy who can run a variety of different coverage for coverages for you and because of that He's a bona fide first round talent for me uh, when I look at him as a prospect. And then I, I was really struggling to find a number five guy in this class because there are a lot of guys that I liked. I was thinking about Emmanuel Forbes um, out of Mississippi State, 
because if we're going based off the tape, he has some of the best tape in this draft class among cornerbacks. In fact, I'd say his tape is probably a little bit better than the last three guys I mentioned, Joey Porter, um, Christian Gonzalez, and, and Dante Banks. But it's hard for me to get over his size profile, six foot one, 166 pounds. Like we haven't seen a guy that tiny have success in the NFL. So I couldn't really put him up there for me. So he's, he's still consideration, but – my number five guy is someone who I feel a little bit more comfortable with from a profile standpoint, and that's Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami. Big physical dude on the outside, has really good press technique, um, really good athlete. So he has that size speed profile that you're looking for. Um, pretty decent ag- agility for a guy who is as big as he is too. Um, and just someone who, once again, kind of someone to Joey Porter and Deontay Banks just plays physical on scrimmage. He's a guy who's going to, you know, take guys out of the game in press coverage, you know, didn't quite have the best ball production as some of these other guys, but I, I just watch him play. And I think that, you know, he, he just looks like, like a eight year starter at the next level at cornerback as an outside guy. Maybe he's not a true shutdown guy, but at least if he's your second best corner, I think you have a pretty damn good secondary. I think he's, you know, a late first, early second round guy. I've been seeing him in a lot of drafts or a lot of mock drafts go, late second round. And I think if he's available in the late second round, like that's a fantastic value there. Um, speaking of good value, let's look at our sleepers for this uh, year's draft class. You said, who's your number one sleeper among these quarterbacks for this class? Yeah. I mean, my biggest sleeper is actually Darius rush from South Carolina. And, you know, I look at Darius rush and you certainly love the size component to him. He's a guy that I think really understands, you know, zone coverage and then just, excels in zone coverage as well the length being such a big asset to just kind of what he does overall I think he's a really solid run defender as well but I think when it comes to Darius Rush there's certain limitations that exist and the biggest limitation that you're kind of looking at is just a simple fact that he's not necessarily this dynamic athlete by any means and then when it comes to his tackling I feel like that could use some refinement as well again it's not the worst but it could be better. And then in terms of scheme fit, right? Like I've said this a moment ago and I'll say it again. He's not the type of cornerback that you can just slide into any scheme. He's going to be more so the type of guy that fits into, I think really just teams that are running zones and, or zone coverage, for example. And so it's just one of those, right? Where it's just like at the next level, where do you see him? Do I see him being a boundary guy and playing on the outside? Yeah, absolutely. But even that is just going to come with a handful of concerns. I mean, at worst, I think with Darius Rush, you're looking at a player that is a good starter, but which is the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is going to be a guy who is really only playing on special teams. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, for me, my sleeper in this year's class is Corey Trice out of Purdue. Another big physical corner who tested really well at the combine. Um, I mean, look at his RAS score. This guy measured in at six foot three, two hundred and six pounds. Um, had seventeen reps on the bench press. Ran a four four seven forty, which is pretty solid. But then also the agility too was really good. Six point seven uh, three comb and a three nine six shuttle. All both of those are elite marks for cornerbacks. So eleven foot broad jump as well. So he's got some explosiveness. I mean, for a guy that big to have that athletic profile, to have that change of direction ability, to have that explosiveness, to have good enough speed, and he's a strong guy when you watch him play uh, in the games that I was able to watch for Purdue this year. Um, I'm I'm surprised that a lot of people aren't talking about this guy because he's very physical. Um, You know, he's able to shed blocks on the outside against wide receivers. He's He's a more than willing participant in the run game, tackles really well. Um, for a cornerback, and which makes sense given that you know he's the size of and he looks almost like a linebacker out there for the modern day NFL. Like this guy, um, if you're a team looking for a press corner or even like you know a bigger zone corner and cover three schemes, I think he's a perfect fit for that because you know he just brings a physicality to the position that's very rare. And I've seen a lot of, of mock drafts where he's kind of like a late day three guy. I, w- I would take a chance on him. If not late day two, certainly early day three. I think you know you're going to find good value from him there. Um, I just have a very good feeling about him, and he has all the tools you want. He's got good length, he's got good size, he's got strength, he's got athleticism. Um, and you know, at the quarterback position, I mean, really, it's about having guys that fit that that athletic profile. Like you go back and watch you know, Tariq Wollen and his tape from college last year in the draft process, it was not great tape um, whatsoever, but he was a freak athlete. And the Seahawks took a chance on him, gave him some pro coaching. And what do you know, Tariq Wollen is one of the best, you know, young cornerbacks in football um, because he has that athletic tool set to kind of work work with and build upon. Um, Corey Trice isn't quite the same athlete, but I also think his tape was better than Woolen's coming out of college. So I kind of see a similar situation here where it would surprise me if we're talking about Trice as one of the bigger steals in the NFL, you know, in about a year or two um, as, a, as a day three pick because he'll go t- to a team in the right situation that gets the most out of his athletic gifts. And you have a really damn good cornerback on your hands there in the right situation. But we've talked about, you know, our top sleepers in this draft class. There are certainly other guys here that I was considering for this. You know, Julius uh, Brents out of Kansas State was somebody that I was considering, but although I, I think he's probably going to go higher than where I think I'm comfortable with him at this point, um, DJ Turner out of Michigan. But let's get to our overhyped prospect in this year's draft class because, you know, there's – for all the players that I like, there are some that I, I'm not as high on compared to the consensus. Um, who's that guy for you, you said? Yeah, I mean, for me, and it's so polarizing because it's actually Julius Brents is my overhyped guy. You look at him. I mean, it seems like every mock draft I've seen, the Bears are selecting Julius Brents with their second second second-round pick, which I think is like 
fourth overall, if my memory serves me correctly. But it's it's kind of weird, right? Because you have a guy who is six foot four, six foot five, right? About two hundred and ten ish pounds. So the first thing that sounds that stands out to you is really long arms, really nice stature, right? In terms of just his overall frame. But then there's so many different concerns as well. And, you know, one of the major things to understand is that Julius Brents, I think, is effective against the run. He's a guy that has no issues being physical at all. But then again, you know, he will throw receivers off the line of scrimmage. All that seems to be negated by the fact that he just does not flip his hips as quickly as he should when it comes to receivers beginning to separate and getting to the top of their routes. You look at, you know, the lack of speed that exists as well as well as just times throughout college where there were, I'm not going to say he's the worst guy in man coverage, but there were times where you definitely look at some of the reps he had and you're like, okay, he should have done much better. So Julius Brents is a player that overall, I would not be surprised if some team drafts him in round three, let's say, and says, okay, you know what? You're not quite a guy that can be a top-end starter at cornerback in this league. We're going to move you around. Let's kind of try you at, you know, safety, for example, because I could certainly see him fitting in much better at safety at the next level, considering how big and physical he is compared to having him play cornerback, especially considering how solid these receivers are now but just for me julius brents i think is being overgraded by it seems like everybody yeah brents is a guy that i was considering a sleeper um up until about a few weeks ago and now i see mocks of him in the second round all of a sudden i'm like whoa what, what happened here he went from a day three guy to a day to a second round guy and he might be going high in the second round at this rate so yeah, it's certainly one of those things where the, where the draft process certainly changes things in, in the evaluation, I think, for a lot of guys. But for me, my overhyped guy in this class is one of your top five corners, actually, uh, Keely Ringo out of Georgia. And, you know, Ringo, I think there are reasons to buy into him. He's got great size, great speed. And you put those two things together and there's a lot to work with there in terms of a upside standpoint. But what really worries me about him um, and he's a younger player too, 20 years old, going to be 21 going to this year. So theoretically, like he's still got a lot of time to develop. He's still early in his developmental stage as a player. Um, but what worries about me about him, you kind of mentioned it when you were talking about him earlier, but um, the agility scores and the explosiveness, just not great. Um, you look at what he did at the combine, like 33 and a half inch vertical, 10 foot broad jump. Both of those are pretty mediocre at best marks for a cornerback. And then the agilities were really rough for him. You know, four, two, six shuttle, like his, his 40 yard dash was almost as fast as his shuttle, which is like almost unheard of for a lot of these guys. But um, yeah, it was not, not great performance there. And then this three cone drill, seven, two, one, three cone, like, that is one of the worst in this draft class among cornerbacks. So he's not someone that's comfortable changing directions very fluidly. He doesn't really have great hips. Um, and we saw those get exposed time and time and time out at, um, at college at Georgia. You know, he was the guy that opposing teams often, you know, targeted in the passing game. And he, you know, he was someone where there was always a lot of big plays going in his direction. It seemed like at Georgia, and a lot of like deep plays down the field because he just doesn't have the change of direction ability. And if you get a step on him, yeah, he's got the recovery speed to make up for it sometimes, but 
in the NFL, like, you know, it, it takes more than just being fast to be a good cornerback. So, you know, Ringo's one of those guys to where I feel like he's almost a better fit at safety at the next level where he's not going to have to rely on that change of direction as much. So maybe make him a, a deep safety where he's running back and forth um, and, and using kind of his eyes on the quarterback. I think that'd probably be a better fit for him. But if we're just projecting him as a cornerback here, um, he's one of those guys that I'm lower on, unfortunately, in this draft class where I see him as more of a late day two guy. But I think he's probably going to go, you know, early on, on in day two, probably a second round pick when it's all sudden done because the teams are going to be, you know, kind of enticed by, you know, the size and speed aspect. And then also the pedigree playing at Georgia on that defense and, and being a guy who's a big name there over the last couple of years. So we talked about these cornerbacks and, and speaking of safeties, it's time to get to the safety class where, you know, me personally, you said I, I, I'm not as excited as excited with this class at safety, you know, it's not a deep group, but let's talk about our top fives because, you know, just because, because of the fact that there are a lot of mixed opinions on this drag class at safety, I feel like we're going to be getting a variety of different players, I think in our top fives here to kind of discuss here. So I'll start with you. You say, um, what's your top, top five looking at as far as the yeah. class goes? Well, I mean, first things first in the safety class, there's not a single player that should be selected in the first round. And that's firmly what I believe. But you have at number one and two, right, the Alabama boys. And that's Brian Branch as well as Jordan Battle. Coming in at number three, I've got Chris Smith from Georgia. So really the SEC guys kind of lead the way here. Then looking at Antonio Johnson as well as my fourth-ranked guy and Illinois Sidney Brown as my fifth-ranked guy. I mean, just getting into Brian Branch. You talk about experience, right? He's kind of been a key contributor for Alabama in the secondary since his freshman year. He's incredibly versatile, and that's just one of the things I love about him because he's played kind of in the nickel. You know, he's played multiple positions just all throughout the Alabama defense. He's been used as the guy on the line of scrimmage that's going to go ahead and blitz right you really see the instincts sticking out incredibly smart versatile well-rounded and physical player and then you talk about his ability to recognize and just blow up plays before they actually develop I mean Brian Branch I think there's a reason that people term him the complete package going in at his teammate number two Jordan Battle again not as good as Brian Branch but Certainly incredibly experienced as well. Appeared in, I believe, 50 games for the Crimson Tide over the last couple of years. And, you know, you, you look at him, again, the versatility sticks out. He can He's interchangeable between free as well as strong safety. He can go ahead and play in the nickel if needed as well. And while you like his size as well as his length being about 6'1", 206, there are certain areas where, you know, he can certainly improve. I mean, he's solid in press coverage, but as a run defender, like there's times where you look at and say, yeah, there's a reason he's not like the top rank run defender or safety in this class as a result of his just poorest run defending. Sometimes there's a tendency to be a little too over, over aggressive and really over pursue. And so it's something where, you know, Jordan battles, just beginning to, I think, scratch the surface. Now, number three is Chris Smith. And again, we're just going to acknowledge like the entire Georgia defense over the last two years is pretty much in the NFL now. And Chris Smith, you like him for his versatility, right? Like he is the guy that's basically the Joker, the jack of all trades, Swiss Army knife type guy. He is someone that, you know, can pretty much roam anywhere on the field and play 
I think with Chris Smith, what you're getting is a player who wins more with instincts compared to physicality, even though he is an incredibly hard hitter and is willing to kind of lay the law down when it comes to opposing wide receivers. There's a lot to really like about him. But then again, you know, you do wonder and say, okay, is him being 190, like, is that going to work against him at the next level? And just how much, if he does indeed continue to kind of play safety, plus being just 190, the concerns about his weight, is a team going to see him as being a strong safety or a free safety? You know, you could argue he could play either, but he's going to have to add more muscle to his frame. And then, Antonio Johnson as well, you know, one of the bigger safety prospects in terms of height being like 6'3 or 6'4. And again, you look at Antonio Johnson, again, incredibly physical. You know, what I love is that Texas A&M maximized his ability as basically a chess piece, right? Because you saw him in the slot at times watching film. You saw him basically playing safety as well. And then the big thing with Antonio Johnson is this is, he processes and reads plays with ease. Like there's a certain level of aggressiveness that he features that not a lot of defensive backs are going to bring to the table. Right. But the big thing with Antonio Johnson is this, is that we love the size, the physicality, the speed with which he plays at the hard hitter that he is. Now he's not around the football too much. And that's a concern for me specifically because it's like, if you want to go from being good to being great, you need to be able to be the type of defender that's going to be making plays consistently you know, game in and game out. And Antonio Johnson, again, is scratching the surface. And then last but not least, I mean, Sidney Brown from Illinois. So I think with Sidney Brown, what you're getting is this, right, is a guy who just understands football in general, right? He has had a lot of success with the Illinois defense, right? I mean, I think he's a great athlete and just features this versatility, which is similar to some of the top guys that I've mentioned. Now, when you look at Sidney Brown, right, the big thing is this, is that he's got some really good ball production, right? Has a nose for the football, had I think six interceptions and like seven or eight pass breakups this past season. And so it's something where, you know, you look at his like, Ball production is really good. You look at his ability to kind of close and take the right angles, bring opposing ball carriers down. I mean, that's excellent as well. And so with Sidney Brown, I think the projection is so polarizing because how you plan to use him is ultimately where he ends up going, right? And what I mean by that is it's like a team that sees him as a true strong safety, probably going to take him later on in the draft. The team that sees him as a true free safety, he's probably going to go earlier in the draft as a result. But nonetheless, like Sidney Brown, really solid player. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. I find interesting about this, you know, safety classes. There really isn't that classic free safety type, I think, in the top of this draft class tour. A, a guy that, you know, can play that sort of 
Earl Thomas role or even like an Eddie Jackson role where he's that free roaming, you know, free safety who, you know, can kind of be a little bit of a ball hawk in the back of your defense and, and play sideline to sideline. There really isn't that guy, but there are of a lot, you know, some intriguing versatile players who can kind of be chess pieces in your secondary who may not be great at one specific thing, but can be solid in a variety of different roles here. And, you know, you did, I'll disagree with you on one thing you said, and that's is I I do think there is one first round talent, at least for me, at the safety position in this draft, and that is Brian Branch of Alabama. I I absolutely love watching Branch play. Um, He is one of the best pure football players in this draft class. You know, his tackling ability is, you know, one of the best among any any of these defensive backs. And, you know, what was interesting about the way Alabama used him is that he was primarily a slot, you know, corner in at, at Alabama for their defense. So a lot of his plays were around the line of scrimmage, um, playing that extra blitzer on, on, on some plays, you know, kind of setting the edge on some plays, you know, knifing into the backfield, um, destroying screen, screen plays, all that stuff. Um, that's Brian Branch in a nuts, nutshell. Extremely ex- ex- instinctive, um, good closing speed, and just a very physical player, very efficient tackler, rarely out of position. Um, so at the next level, though, his projection gets interesting because is he a full-time slot corner? Can he play some free safety? Um, is he more of a box safety? Like that's where I think it kind of – it'll get interesting for some of these teams because he's not an uber athlete. You know, he ran a four five eight forty um, at the combine, so he's not this burner. He's not this guy who's going to be playing, you know, sideline to sideline in the back end of your defense, but – at 190 pounds, he doesn't necessarily have great size to be like a box safety, you know, all the time. So, you know, our team's going to draft him with it being in mind that he's going to be a slot corner at the next level. That could certainly be interesting. And he's really good there as a slot corner. And he's very good in coverage, too. He's not just a, you know, run defender. So I could certainly see that being the case with him to where, you know, teams just view him as a slot corner at the next level. And I wouldn't be opposed to that because I think he does have the ability to be a very damn good slot corner um, in the NFL. It's just a matter of where, where teams are comfortable at with him. But I would take him in the first round. He's he's by far the best safety in this class. Um, if we're just having him, you know, judging him as a safety prospect. And um, I take him in the first round. But after that, there's a huge drop off for me. But the next guy for me is Antonio Johnson out of Texas A&M, similar type of profile. Like he's a bigger guy, six foot two, 198, you know, longer guy, but not a great athlete like Brian Branch, um, but played mostly in the slot at Texas A&M. So he kind of does the same, a lot of the same stuff to where uh, he's playing a lot of zone coverage, using his length again, the passing windows, you know, um, filling, you know, run, run fits and then being physical in the run game. It's kind of be like an extra guy in the box for you at times. So, Similar players, I, I just don't think he's quite as good as Brian Branch. I don't think he has quite the upside that he does because um, Branch, you know, he was just a much better player in college than Johnson, although Johnson was pretty solid in his own right. But after that, for me, again, um, a little bit of a drop-off. And the next guy on this list is, is uh, Illinois defensive back, but not the one that you talked about. I'm getting to that guy in a little bit here, but Jertavius Martin out of Illinois, another player, once again, who primarily played slot corner, but projects to being a safety to the next level as well, because 
you know, he's a guy who played some deep safety. He played in the box. He played all over the place for Illinois defense. Um, I really like Martin. He's another one of these guys who um, very physical player can play against the run very well. Um, he's almost like an extra, you know, box safety for you. Um, really like what I saw. And I like what I saw from him as a coverage player. I thought he was a very smart, instinctive coverage player at Illinois tested pretty well as an athlete. So I, I would take him in the third round and I, and I would take Sidney Brown in the third round as well. Who's probably, you know, the most pure safety out of these, out of these guys, you know, the thing that stands out about Brown is that he's an elite athlete at the position tested very well, but still kind of putting it all together. And he's an older player. He'll be 23 years old this upcoming season. So how much of growth is there for him? I'm not too sure, but you know, again, you know, the, the fighting Atlanta used him in a, a variety of different places. Um, he was kind of a guy who played a lot in the box, um, played some deep safety. Um, he's a little bit of a smaller guy, but has a rocked out frame, um, big guy, physical guy, great, great athlete. So he's someone who's, I, I think, more of a projection at the next level because I don't think he's a box safety at the next level, but he's kind of unproven as a true free safety as well. So interesting projection because he's just he's a pure athlete at this point and just kind of seeing what he is um in the nfl and then number five for me jordan bat jordan battle out of alabama you know not the greatest athlete in the world but i know what i'm getting out of him you know he's a very smart um sound safety who's always going to be in the right position tackles really well um i, I think he's a player that's going to be going to be a starter for a long time but probably not a, a difference maker for any team you know, very Adrian Amos-esque um, for all of our Bears fans out there who, you know, watch Amos develop in his four years as Bear and then, you know, ended up playing with the Packers, unfortunately. Um, but very Adrian Amos-esque. Not going to make a ton of plays, but always in the right spot and doesn't make any mistakes. Um, for sleepers, you said who's your sleeper in this draft class for safeties? Yeah, so my sleeper is actually going to be Ohio State's very own Ronnie Hickman. I mean, I love Ohio State safeties, but you look at Hickman overall, and I again, I like to kind of say, right, he's a player that has this aggressive mentality, right? He understands and is able to process really well. He goes ahead and is able to just get around the football and do so with ease. And since he's always around the ball, just trying to make a play. I mean, the physicality, my goodness, is off the charts. Now he is able to change directions with ease and that's just sticking his foot in the ground and boom, making a play and going. Now, when you look at him overall, I mean, his ball production could be much better but then again that's something that you know you can't expect these guys to get like 10 interceptions every single season but I think Ronnie Hickman's just a guy that is solid well-rounded is just scratching the surface of really how good he can be and being a junior I mean he's got experience playing in that Ohio State defense and I think that experience is going to translate really well over to the next level yeah, for me, my, my sleeper in this draft class is Quindle Johnson out of Memphis. I'm seeing a lot of uh, mock drafts where he's like a late day three guy. I kind of see him as an early day three. You know, he's got good size, um, very experienced player. Not a great athlete or anything. Doesn't really stand out in any particular area, but I just found him to be very solid all around. And if there's anybody on day three that I think could be a potential starter down the road, I put my money on him. I think he's got a lot of solid qualities to him. Um, but 
you know, we talk about sleepers here. You say, who's your overhyped guy for this draft class? Yeah, so for me, right, the overhyped guy is actually going to be J.L. Skinner from Boise State. You know, a guy that I look at and I say, okay, a lot of people seem to have this, like, third or fourth round grade on him. And, again, you see the physicality that he comes to – the table with right being about six foot five 220 ish pounds but the reality with him is this right is that you wonder you know can a guy that of his size go ahead and change directions with ease is he going to be someone that's just so limited by the scheme that he ends up playing in and then ultimately right just as his his foot speed just such a big issue for me because that translates directly into his change of direction so with a guy like jl skinner keep it short and sweet here you know you love the size you love the physicality but then again you do have questions about whether or not he's able to kind of consistently keep that body control and then go ahead and really be the impact defender a lot of people know we can be because i think the trend we're seeing is that some of these much bigger defensive backs it's almost like they really struggle when they get to the next level in terms of body and hip control yeah for me my, my overhype guy in this class is brandon joseph out of notre dame you know, originally played at Penn State, and it's really simple for me. I, I question the athletic profile for him. Um, you know, you like what he, you know, some of the things he say pretty instinctive, you know, hits hard, but at the next level, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to cut it. You know, he's got good, you know, all right size, um, but um, kind of on the smaller side in terms of weight, and then you look at, you know, 40-yard dash running 46240, uh, vertical and broad jumps weren't great. Um, in fact, they were very poor, so just not an explosive athlete by any means. Um, and, you know, he's someone who has gotten a lot of hype in the past, but it seems like it's kind of cooling off on him now. But, um, yeah, he was a guy who's considered to be like a day two player early in the process. And now, you know, he's definitely a day three guy for me. You know, I, I'd probably take him late day three because I think there is something to the fact that he's an experienced player. He does seem to have pretty decent instincts, but yeah, the athletic profile just scares me. He's not a great athlete, and I'm not sure if that's going to translate well um, to the next level at a position where athleticism is very important. So with that said, we're going to wrap things up here um, at Picks for Polls. For all the listeners out there, make sure to like, rate, and subscribe and review at all of our podcasting platforms here um, for the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. Um, and make sure to follow us on social media as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Polls. You say, where can our listeners find you on Twitter or on social media and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. I will be having some articles that are going to release right before the NFL draft. Yeah, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. Uh, you can find my work at the Bear Report as well. Can be trying to get in a lot of draft content before the start of the draft. Got some scouting reports coming up. I'm going to try to get a couple mock draft stuff, um, not only for the Bear Report on the website, but also on our YouTube channel. So make sure to check that out as well. And until next time, Bears fans, we're going to be doing our mock draft or our final mock draft heading into um, – the up to the 2023 NFL draft. Like it's, it's getting close guys. We're two weeks away. Uh, really excited to get to that point, but until next time, Bears fans uh, bear down and have yourselves a great weekend.